The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. Good afternoon. Welcome to the winemakers. This is... Uh... Brian Casey and Bart Hansen's going to do our initial pour. Thank you, sir. And that's we, a big pour now that I have to a, go through. Well, that wasn't such a big pour. Is you had you already had a lot in your glass, Bart. <laughs> <laughs> so now you just have a full glass of wine. Tuesday morning. Tuesday morning. That's right. Tuesday morning in Sonoma. We're at uh, Bart Hansen's house up here in Sonoma Mountain, and we have got Ari Weisswasser on today, the chef of the and owner of uh, Glen Ellen Star, and. Uh, uh, Bart, I know you uh, pour some of your wine there as well and have eaten there on numerous, numerous occasions. I, I, I believe there's not been, I don't think there's been but more than a day or two since you guys have opened that we haven't been on being poured by the class there. So I thank you very much for that. You Absolutely. guys are truly one of our greatest accounts. Um, but that's not why he's here. He's here because of the amazing food they put out of that place. So welcome, Ari. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, and Eric, you, you um, I think you worked in uh, Philadelphia um, and in New York. You worked at um, uh, Picholine, Danielle, Corton. And what drew you to Sonoma County? My wife. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, initially, my wife. We, uh, we were in New York City for on and off about eight years. Or I was. Aaron was there about five years. And... Um, when we were pregnant with our first daughter, Noah, we, we knew that it was time. Yeah, New York was not a very friendly place on a, on a chef's salary right. with, a, with a kid. So, uh, yeah, so we, we you know, just came out here. No plan, nothing like that. Just, you know, moved out. We live with our, our in-laws. And um, no job prospects, no plan, nothing. Just moved out. It's wow. kind of like a Jerry Springer show waiting so yeah. you just knew that there would be family here. You'd have a couch to crash on, and that's all and, we knew. Wow. Yeah, um, yeah, and you know, within in time, we we kind of, or you know, Aaron knew where she was. I didn't. You know, you have to imagine New York City late nights, Glen Ellen at eight o'clock at night is not a party town. Right. So it's kind of like you know, seeing stars and hearing birds and crickets and a little bit of a culture shock. But um, we kind of you know found our 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 way. So. When you left New York, I mean, was there always a desire to open your own place? Yeah. yeah and absolutely. was it, well, I've done this in New York, now it's time to go find our own place? Initially, I think the, the trigger was working for somebody else. I think that was, the, that was like, that was my last hurrah. I thought at the time, I was wrong, but at the time I was convinced um, that I would basically do, you know, the, the fear of working for another person was larger than the fear of going out on my own. That's, that's wow. the truth. Yeah. So let's back up a little bit here because we're kind of jumping forward. Um, let's start. What was your first, what was your first uh, job in the restaurant business? It was a Lebanese restaurant called Aldar in Balakinwood, Pennsylvania, which is one town over from where I grew up, which is Narberth, Pennsylvania. It's about 20 minutes outside of Philadelphia. And how old were you? 13. Oh, so we go way back here. So w washing dishes? Kind of, but uh, 
the in that restaurant, the dish station and the salad station were right next to each other, <laughs> so it was just right back and forth, which oh. is not. I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend running a restaurant like that, but that's <laughs> right. just how it was what I walked into. <laughs> the salad station always had the cleanest plates. <laughs> <laughs> but how do you start working at 13? How, uh, I mean, are you, is that a legal thing in, in no, that state? No, probably not. No. no. I mean, <laughs> okay. No, I was making you know seven an hour in cash. I think I was pretty wow, happy. That's yeah, pretty so they're good. Paying you under bad, the right? table, huh? Oh, yeah. You know, I, uh, I started taking an interest. My mother took cooking classes when I was young. I mean, six, seven years old. I think my... My dad worked full time. My mother didn't work until I was a little bit later or uh, older. And uh, she wanted to learn how to cook. She didn't really know, but her father had a restaurant. So my grandfather had a restaurant, but never took an interest in the cooking part, always took an interest in the dining part, right? So mm-hmm. she, um, they never really had to cook or knew, you know, learned the way they always were in a restaurant. And um, that changed. We were, were home a lot. And my, f- my father and mother made the, you know, the collective decision to, to start learning how to cook. So... She would experiment all the time and bring back, you know, at that time, very extreme gourmet. Julia Child kind of was the inspiration there for her teacher. So it's a lot of classic French right. dishes. And that's where it started. Wow. And so you actually, what do you remember the age you were when your parents first let you handle a, a sharp knife? No, I just, I, I know that, well... Hopefully, some of my family members won't hear this, but the uh, the Thanksgiving dinners that we were <laughs> subject to were not. Um, I, I knew there could be some 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 better experiences out there. So one after about three or four, I must have been eight or nine years old. We decided to take Thanksgiving on on basically on by ourselves. So I was nine. I think I did our first Thanksgiving dinner. Um, I, I'm sure it wasn't you know great. How many siblings do you have? I have a younger sister, but our Thanksgiving, we always kept the family Thanksgiving separate from the friends. The friends Thanksgiving was, you know, a different story. So I did the friends Thanksgiving. Got it. Um, And I started at nine and we did it every year until I was in culinary school, really. Probably did it until I was 22, 23, 21, 22, 23 in that range. So did you continue to work in the restaurant business all the way through high school and and through college? uh, Not through college, but through high school. So I would say I was a freshman in high school. And all four years, I you know I, I moved up a little bit in the kitchen, but not much. You right, know, I moved to the hotline. Right, but still um, at the same restaurant. At the same the restaurant, time. and then they had they had three rest two restaurants and a catering outfit. So I did catering on the weekends, um, front and back of the house. So I learned you know kind of both sides of that, and then I worked in the restaurant during the week, probably about like fifteen twenty hours a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, so and Lebanese food. Lebanese, yeah. yeah, I love it. Yeah, not a lot of homework being done. It sounds like in uh, in high school. Uh, you know what? I was a good kid. I got my my. I was pretty disciplined. Somehow made saying? it happen. What are you I, saying there, Brian? I got well, I got work done. <laughs> well, because I, I, I know he went to college. Because that's where you met your wife, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. We went to college. I didn't think there was really a career for it. I enjoyed it, but I always wanted to keep that as a as a hobby when I graduated. So we went to uh, Boulder, Colorado. And I, why Boulder? Because uh, I couldn't get into Michigan, okay, <laughs> <laughs> or or Emory, or my, I set my sights a little a little too high. Right. Um, no, Boulder. I uh, a lot of my my uh, high school graduate, my, a lot of my friends went to Michigan, went stayed on the East Coast, and and uh, I thought Boulder was great. We were fortunate enough to go skiing a lot in Vail and Aspen and Beaver Creek, and I, I knew I'd be a stone's throw, and I could at least go there if you know shit hit the fan and be right. a ski bum. I don't know. I you know we just 
I, I felt comf- comfortable out there because I'd been there and I knew the state and I, that's really it. I didn't know anybody going necessarily. I just, you know, leap of faith. And how did you guys first meet? We met um, freshman year. had to be the first couple of weeks. We, we didn't date in college at all. We were really? F- no. Just we were friends. friends. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it a relationship. I'd call it more, you know, we had fun. Okay. <laughs> um, we met freshman year. And that was it. her group of friends and our group of friends. We were kind of, you know, very compatible. We were the drunkest ones in the bar. You know, they were just, it was, it was a lot of fun. We, I think we should mention at this point who his wife is. <laughs> <laughs> One of the Benziger clan. Yeah, yeah. Aaron, right. Yeah. So, um, so Mike's, Mike's oldest daughter, Aaron. Um, so, Ari, you know, it, it would have been tough to, um, I'm sure it was tough being introduced to that family. Being that I worked for him, and I kind of Bart, Bart and I have through. both worked for the family. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I might have had a different experience. We we uh, Mary, my mother in law's birthday is February sixteenth, and um, Mike and Mary got a, a little a place in Beaver Creek, and Aaron invited all of us up. That was the first time I ever met the family: Buck, Grant, all of them. And we we got him pretty late because it was after you know class, and we just it was dark and snowy. And Mike, first time I met him, he had a, he had a cowboy hat on. And his, his famous, you know, front front tooth, which is, you know, I love to this day. And um, I look at Aaron, I'm like, that's, that's, I just didn't picture that. You know, we didn't Google people back then. I didn't know the right, family right. very well. You know, knew of him, but We knew of him. Mike. And yeah. Yeah, the other, yeah. So I met him, great guy, helped us out with the luggage. I mean, if I was, if some, if my daughter brought three guys or four guys I didn't know, I might just stare him down or try to, you know, Flash your piece. Yeah, (laughs) I wouldn't help him out, but you know, (laughs) maybe I would. I don't know. I might change. Right now, I'm thinking I'm more on the defense. He was very welcoming, open, and Mary was great, and we were um, we were welcome right in. We didn't have beds; we slept on the floor. We didn't care here in college, and um, we had a great weekend. And I met the family, and I thought, um, not thinking too far ahead, but I thought, you know, I just we had very very good experiences there. I know Buck almost got arrested. Um, for throwing times. a snowball and 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 uh, I think he blamed it on Grant and Mary kind of ran out with her curlers on. It was like a big dramatic, and I saw you know the dynamic of like the big family, and I thought that was great. And so we had a really wonderful experience. And then I had to introduce Mike to my parents on you know when my parents on homecoming or, or you know when my parents come up. So we we actually got to be really good friends, the families, and every time they came up. We went out to dinner and we just did some, you know, kind of very social things. Yeah. And Mike did his famous on his knee flight of port. Did you ever do that? Yes. Yeah. So he wait, wait, wait. I don't us. know about this. What is this? <laughs> Go ahead. Well, there's there's a family table walk, which we ended up doing um, at our rehearsal dinner <laughs> yeah. and wedding. Um, but the first time I saw it, we were the, you know, he gets up on the table and he did a little more improv. He took a knee and down like three glasses of of. It was wine or port in in ascending vintages, just to kind of start the party. I, I think Bruno did the very first table walk, and it, you know, in the Benzigers, when I worked for the Benzigers, I learned history is nothing more than a series of agreed upon lies. Right. Um, <laughs> but the story I heard was that you know it was a distributor party, and the table was littered with bottles and glasses, and Bruno got up and walked the distance to the table. And didn't knock over anything or didn't destroy anything. And it was, you know, kind of 
that kind of died with Bruno, except I think for Chris and Kathy and those that were on the road. You know, um, and then there was a there was the first time I ever experienced it was at a party, a winery party in the cave. Yeah, and I think uh, Joe and Mike and Chris all did it. I had to yeah. do it blindfolded. When we uh, the night before the, oh, the they've, they've no, added a uh, dimension to the because uh, <laughs> yeah. his uh, last name didn't start with a B. <laughs> that was that was the family initiation. Wow, or or one of them. So okay, so now we can now we can go back. Well, to... I want to know how this gets serious because now so so now you're meeting the family. You you learn oh, about yeah. them. You like them. No, that was it. You know, it, it kind of stopped there. We we graduated. Aaron went to um, Squaw Valley. To become a, a ski instructor, she took you know she probably did the smart thing. Now look, she took two years off before she joined the family business. I remember this, yeah. yeah. And um, when we graduated, it was two thousand one. I was in business school. I studied finance, economics. I took it pretty seriously. I also had fun, but you know, I, I kind of wa- I wanted to be in that business. And two thousand and one, uh, there was a big crash, internet crash. The I mean, it was impossible to find a job in finance. Absolutely. And even f- some of my friends who had jobs and signing bonuses. They literally kept the signing bonus, but lost a job. Wow. And, um, you know, you're coming out of college and can't find a job in finance. So culinary school was my backup. And I, you know, it was a year and a half. And I said, I already had a bachelor, so I didn't need another bachelor's. So the associate program was about 17 months. Um, there's a three-year or three-month externship where you can pick anywhere in, in the world, really, that's accredited by the school and you can work. And I thought that was a cool way to spend my two years. Yeah. Uh, with the option to go back into finance. And I just, uh, you know, went through culinary school, moved to Rhinebeck, New York. Um, cut my head down. I have to ask, where's Rhinebeck, New York? I've never heard of it. Really? No. I guess not. Um, about an hour. Brian and I are from Petaluma, though. Up the Hudson. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say Hyde Park, Poughkeepsie, Rhinebeck, they're about an hour, 20 minutes north the, up the, uh, the Hudson River. So just directly more, north r- of New York. More rural farm. Very is that rural. considered the Hudson Valley uh, farming community? Central New York, not upstate, but central. Okay. Um, definitely a lot of farms. Yeah. But um, right on the river. So it's not too far. I mean, it's pretty heavily trafficked. Yeah, you know, I mean, not New York City, but there's uh, it's accessible to the city. Yeah, it's got. Well, it's actually right near Woodstock, south of Woodstock. Okay, wow. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I knew that would resonate with you guys. Right, right, right. Yeah, we know that. That we know. It's just an awesome town, by the way. Okay. I don't yeah. know if you've ever been. No, no, no. It's, just no, seen the movie. It's exactly what <laughs> so you we're would not expect. that old, but we're older. <laughs> not than old that. enough yeah. to have been there, but old enough to know what it's about. <laughs> All right, so go on, go ahead. Yeah, so we're up there and. Um, Erin uh, was doing her thing. I think that time she was probably starting up with a family business. I think she was living in the city at the time and re- reverse commuting. We didn't, didn't really talk and uh, or had any contact. I was working at Pichelin and then restaurant Danielle. That was that was I'd probably my grad school uh, from cooking. That was uh, a guy who had a, a you know fine dining restaurant with an on site and an off site catering business all under one umbrella, which is kind of what we I modeled our business after. Exactly that. Not knowing that, just kind of, you know, when I look back. Um, and then we opened a restaurant called Gilt in the uh, Palace Hotel. Mm. That was my first restaurant opening. I saw that, you know, where how, how that all happens. That right. was very, very valuable. It is. Yeah, I've, I've done the same thing, and it's, yeah. it's an eye-opening experience. Yeah, it yeah. really is, because you, you go into an institution like Danielle, and somebody hands you a pressed linen, a towel, an apron, a jacket. You have a locker, right. you know, um, 
it's all set up. It's right. hard, but it's all set up. You don't, you know, when you're done, that goes away. Next day, you have brand new stuff. You don't know where, what, how that works. Right. Um, and uh, you start to see how that, where the, those systems break down and what the effects are. Right. You know, their laundry contract never got signed. And we show up to work the first day, true story, and there's no laundry, like there's no uniforms. <laughs> and no, no kitchen rags, no towels. No, just, and we're yeah. just like, uh, yeah, I mean, yes. we weren't open. It was, it was the first day of our training, and it was like, well, how do we work? You know, um, figure so it you, out. Yeah, we figured it out. So you yeah. kind of get a really incredible insight into all that. Even in a hotel with a union, it's like even those systems they they break down, and that was very valuable. And then um, I met Paul Lee Brent, who's a dear friend and and a, and a, a, a mentor. And um, we uh, it didn't last long. It was about like a year, year and a half. It was kind of the wrong concept for the time. It was just after the bust, and it was extremely fine dining i mean right i think 260 270 ahead for tasting menu and they had a vertical flight of screaming eagle by the glass wow i mean Whoa. it was just one of those places that you know well and this is kind of a time in new york this is you're talking a little after 2001 yeah. yeah we're fine dining uh you know people people were uh looking for a little bit more casual um Diana, i think thomas keller has talked about this he sort of closed his place up in new york and um um, after 2001 and and people were looking for a little bit different dining experience and um so you so you leave so you leave there and 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 where you go from there we go to uh at that time that's when aaron came back um actually i kind of skipped that part just before we at the, my tail end uh danielle um aaron reaches out and she says hey so she she's the one that she so she calls you just for a reference at uh -huh. that time and uh, she said you know my part of my family constitution is in their, in their business, they have to uh, spend two to five years outside of the business. It doesn't matter where it could be in distribution. It could be in retail. It could be in wine. It doesn't matter, but it has to be outside. Hmm. Um, and New York, you know, she wanted to work in New York and she knew I was there and we, we connected probably on Facebook or something. And she said, Hey, you know, I'm moving to New York. I'm coming out to visit. I don't know much about it. You know, we're looking for a roommate. If you know anything. And at the same time, the exact time my roommate was at Gramercy Tavern and he um, was so burnt out. <laughs> He's like, you know, I kind of want to move to Sonoma and work uh, just on a winery. I just want to do something different. I can't, I can't take it anymore. It's like, it's a New York's a total rat race. It's just like, you know, you're in it. Like you hear a subway and you start sprinting. It's no reason. <laughs> like there's another one two minutes later, but it's like, you right. can't be late. So it's, I got it. And um, I wasn't done there yet, but he was. And I said, hey, you know, my roommate Sam, he's looking to get into the, you know, wine business or at least just to, you know, start. And uh, she said, that's great. We're looking for someone in the tasting room. So we traded. She literally moved into his room. Wow. And he moved into Santa Rosa and worked for Benziger. And that was who? Sam who? Efron. You remember him? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's got restaurants in Jacksonville now. He's yeah, a good, I, yeah. I guess I never put two and two together. Yeah. That was yeah. the switch. Um, we ended up getting a, a new apartment later and then uh we were roommates and i had a girlfriend and i was established i had my friends and then and aaron and i tried to set aaron up with a good friend of mine but it didn't work out she called me she's like get me the fuck out of here what are you doing I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and you're my friend <laughs> i was like um okay i'm sorry you know i didn't know that maybe it was something that. subliminal and you know he's saying yeah i'll set her up with this you know well and or, or well, he was the best man at my wedding oh, so, sorry. It okay. <laughs> so it, it wasn't that he was a jerk it's just that no he, it yeah. just, yeah. they sorry. weren't compatible right, right. I, no, nothing personal out there yeah. yeah but then we started dating shortly after um 
we had a two bedroom and it was economical to move into a one bedroom, right? In New York, because your right, rents right. Makes five, sense. six hundred dollars less. <laughs> so we had like a two hundred and three hundred square foot, you know, apartment we're paying thirty two hundred a month. Oh, it was my a deal. God. It was a deal. <laughs> it was a diamond in the rough. Oh man, it was rough. Uh, but she was working for Cobrand, right? She was doing her right. her time right. outside of the um and yeah, we started dating, but we couldn't tell Mike and Mary yet. We couldn't tell. Why anybody. not? Well, we I don't know. I, I didn't care. I, I think Aaron wanted to, them to come out and say it in person. Okay. Uh, but when we moved into a one bedroom, they <laughs> that was people it. They had to know at that point. Like, no, seriously, we're not dating. We're just sharing a bed. <laughs> it's economical, right? <laughs> Look at all the money we saved. <laughs> yeah. So we did that, and then um, I was when guilt closed with Paul. I had to I was looking for a job, and I wanted to try Philadelphia. That was my hometown. Right. And uh, Aaron and I moved to Philadelphia, which if you're familiar with the state liquor laws there, you're not allowed to sell. The state controls wine and beer. You can't sell wine and beer. No. Um, so she, had, she couldn't work in Pennsylvania. Wow. <laughs> but we were next to Amtrak, and she traveled a lot, New York, Boston, D.C., anywhere outside of Philadelphia and Pennsylvania, she would work. So... We kind of got into this groove um, where she was working five, six days a week, you know, selling wine. And I was working five, six days a week in Philadelphia. So we were kind of building our bones. Uh, and then we went, moved back to New York for a short stint. And then Noah, we were pregnant with our first daughter. And then we popped out here. That was, that was like a four-year period I just skipped over. Right, just right, to get right. to the And so you come here and plan is? Plan is to take some time. Yeah. And clear my head. Yeah. Um, get to know, you know. So you got money saved up at this point? No, no, nothing. <laughs> just, <laughs> just a dream. Nothing. Just right. a kid dream. coming along. I mean, money. we I mean, had you money. know the families here. They got I had, wine. I had money that I You're didn't want. Not going to starve. You're not going to. Yeah. We had some, of, but not yeah. not that I want. I could like I couldn't blow it all on. You know, moving's expensive, and um, especially if you can't write it off. Right. right, and and Sonoma is only a little less expensive than New York City in that time period. I was going to say when we talk about those prices of apartments, it's not. <laughs> there's not much difference between here and there. It's just here. It's a three bedroom house for forty five hundred, and there it's right. a it's a it's a studio apartment. Right. Yeah. And you have to drive an hour and a half or two hours to be able to work to afford that here. Right. So, right. Anyway, a little different. And so what's your first job when you get out here? Does the family say, hey, do they, do they try and put you to work and say, hey, do you want to... No, I volunteered, actually. I, uh, September 2010, I was right in to Harvest and Crush. Nice. I mean, the night, I worked Mike's schedule. Yeah. Um, that was like three weeks of just crazy at night. I mean, I, didn't, I slept during the day. I woke up at night. My breakfast was at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. Took another nap the, out all night. Yeah, the Benzigers started harvesting as much as they possibly could at night harvesting around 2000. I left in 2007 and they'd probably had about starting then. And so, yeah, the crew would go out. Um, they'd leave Glen Ellen to go wherever they were going to pick at about 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock at night. And then we'd get to the winery in the morning and um, there'd be full days worth of grapes ready to be crushed and processed. Right. And the reason they do that is because it's colder at night, so the grapes, the skins are a little tighter. Yeah, the grapes the... are in better shape. You can pick a lot more at night because the uh, people don't get as fatigued from the heat. 
Hmm. Um, the fruit's in better shape. And uh, people would always say, but you must miss a lot of fruit. But no, the lights that they have out there on the light standards, you can see everything. Yeah, anyone that lives around here when you, well, if you work in restaurants and you're getting off at 12, 31 o'clock at night, yeah, as we're driving home, we see the lights out in the vineyard and yeah. people out there picking. Yeah, Terry Terry leaves here at 4 o'clock in the morning. And so during harvest, she's driving out through Carneros and she likes to call and tell me it looks like there's aliens landing out in the middle of the vineyards of right, Carneros. Right. So no, it's just the San Giacomo's. Yeah. Uh. And so so you're you're starting to work with the family a little bit, but wine isn't um, isn't your thing. You don't think that's going to be a, a long-term thing for you? You're not thinking at some point, hey, maybe I could be... Uh, one of the assistant winemakers at the winery or have you never met Mike Benziger? Well, I have, <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I think I was set on, I was really close to the French laundry and I ended up working there, but yeah. How did that happen? I didn't know that was going to happen yet. So I, I came out here and I was looking for some kind of a management chef, sous chef, some kind of a job. And, um, let's see, I was 30, 30 years old at the time. And I knew Thomas and his organization. I knew Christopher Costow at um, Meadowood and their organization. I just I met him recently in New York. We cooked for them at our restaurant. You know, we we kept in touch. I knew uh, Douglas Keene from Cyrus. Sure. Um, David Kinch, Manresa. So I, I knew the network uh, firsthand, but I didn't. You know, and I I, I let him know. I was like, hey, I'm coming out. I don't know what I'm doing, and we all kept in touch. So I visited. I, I worked at Meadowood for. About a night, I just went over there to Stage, check it out. Right. Um, they it was before their remodel kitchen, so it was very low ceiling, kind of like reminded me of New York. Honestly, I was like, I don't want to work like you know. Right. I think I'm gonna hit my head on a ceiling, but the food they were doing was great, and everything about it was great. But I just I couldn't see myself driving that far from Glen Ellen because I was living with my in laws. <laughs> right. Um, and then I went to the French Laundry, not really thinking I would. I just wanted to go, right? It's You're like, talking for dinner or to stage? No, no, no or just to stage, a, to work. Right. Yeah, okay. I kind of after harvest, you know, I put some calls out and I started trying to figure out what I was going to do. I took a lot of bike rides to the top, top of Jack London State Park. That's a good ride. You can it think is. like, you know, yeah. what am I doing with my life? My daughter's going to be born right. in four months and what's happened. Um, so that was a very pivotal <laughs> emotional time. And uh, I ended up, Going to the French Laundry, and I just like, I love it. It was great. It was an awesome, it was before their new remodel, too. It was a great kitchen, a lot of history, lots to learn, incredible network, just consummate professionals, exactly where I wanted to be. And if it was five years earlier in my career, I probably could have been there. I'd probably still be there. You know, it's a good place to dig in. Right. Um, but uh, I knew that wasn't the case, and I sat down with Tim Hollingsworth, who was the chef de cuisine at the time. He'd been there 13 years. You know, he's, kind of his his little uh kitchen and uh i said look you know i have a daughter on the way i can't work for the whatever you think you're going to offer me so i'm just you know we're i love to work here i don't think it's going to work out and he's like well let's let's take a step back <laughs> let's try <laughs> to figure this out so we we worked on it and we we got to a point where you know at least some kind of a a number that made a little bit of sense and uh i hung out for about a year and a half you know as long as i could um just kind of soaked it in. I, it was great. Yeah, I mean, yeah. all the the systems and the opera and the you know the menu changes every day, yeah. right? And all the purveyors and your nine courses every single day and the VIPs and the way they their approach to so many things made so much sense. And I, I wish I actually had that structure a little bit earlier on, but I you know I, I made up for lost time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that and then I remember driving by this 
where we are now, Glen Ellen Star. And uh, it was used to be Saffron. Right. And it was under Escott. He closed and he sold it and somebody had it in escrow. And I drove by and I'm like, you know, it's kind of small, but not, maybe a good start. I'm not sure if it's like a viable amount of seats. I don't really understand, you know, because I'm used to 70 plus 80, 90 seat restaurants. And, uh, and at that was, point, there was not the outside seating that there is now. No, like it was the a, other room. just a really, it was really in poor shape. It was a patio right. with no coverage. It was cracked. Right. There's a, f- a fucking fountain in the middle. Like the prime, I never understood why you take your prime real estate and put a fountain there. It's right. just like crazy. You can't see anywhere. I mean, I didn't understand. Ambience. Ambience. There's, well, there's, the, there's smarter ways. The people that were running Saffron, let, let me just give you an example of one time I went there that my wife and I went there for dinner. There is only one other person in the restaurant. It's a single diner, a gentleman, older gentleman. And so we get seated, and they seat us right next to this single gentleman with him, his chair facing us. Yeah. So I am, I am as close as I am to you, and my wife and I are, you know, we're, we're there for a night out just to have a nice dinner. And so we feel like this guy, I mean, we feel like now we've joined a party. And I thought, who, and, and people say, well, why didn't you ask to move tables? But at that point, it's weird because, right. the, I mean, yeah. this guy's here, so then if I say, can we move, then he's thinking, Oh, what, are you too good? You don't want to sit next to me? What's wrong with me? But at, at, at that point, it's one of those little indicators for people who work in restaurants. Say, man, maybe these people don't know what they're doing. <laughs> um, well, you know, I, I actually, I had never experienced Saffron. Um, I met Chris. He gave me the ultimate walkthrough, and we bought the building from Chris. Um, but I think the point, you know, I, I, the, the reason why I brought up the fountain was I was trying in my, my head to make that make sense. Like, I wanted right. it to make sense because... We live here. I, I, you know, at this point, we're still living. Um, where was I? When we were on Second Street West, I think it was our first place. And um, we had no, we had a daughter. And I'm trying to be real. My business background is like, how are we going to make 10 seats inside work? I mean, that's what, you know, wasn't, there was a closed kitchen, there was no bar. They just had maybe 20 seats inside, and that's all, all there was. Yeah, you'd have to have a real high check average. I know. And, and, <laughs> and you know, I didn't, fine dining was, I was so done. <laughs> With it, because I it, there's so many rules. I mean, you respect the foundation, but there's so many. You know, you know, black is burned. Throw it out. Now we 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 burn things all the time for fun, and we say, you know, it's it's like <laughs> it's like you try to break these mold this um this mold of what you have to do, and and this you've done that for sure. Bur- yeah, I mean, you know, you've done that working sure. at a place like the French Laundry or Danielle. Those are like ninety hour weeks. Yeah, and that's not an exaggeration. Those are six days a week, especially at Danielle. I think there was a time, there was three and a half months where I didn't have a day off because the one day off on Sunday, they did weddings. And wedding season in New York is around the holidays. So from September through December, I mean, not a day off. You're just going. Three and a half months straight. And wow. just that just, you know, you're done. You're, you're done. And you can't be productive and you don't have a lifestyle. Out, you know, you're 14, 15 hour days. Yeah. So, so when you, so let's go back to the timeline of, uh, you drove by the restaurant, saw it was an escrow, but you obviously were able to purchase it. So well, it hadn't closed. Yeah. So we, we figured out it was extra because we inquired about it, obviously, and we were told it was an escrow and, um, we got a call about two weeks later that, that it fell through Yeah, and it was available. And so had you already started like, like in your mind's eye, did you already kind of know what you wanted to do? Yeah. You knew what the concept was. You knew. 
You knew you were going to find this 60%. great big old uh, fire. Um, I knew it was wood fire. This wood yeah. fired oven. And, yeah, yeah, I knew that. I knew the restaurant would be built around an oven. Okay. I could see that part. I couldn't see past that, but I could see that part. And um, Doug Keen gave me, from Cyrus, gave me his contractor, Kevin Laley, who was great, local guy. All the subs were local. Everything was, it was great. It was, a, it was everybody lives. I mean, I still talk to these guys. I still, the electrician, the painters, the plumbers. Yeah. Like I see him in around, so it's great. You yeah. know, we we text if there's an issue. Um, so I thought that was important. Um, and he just in somehow you know we bought it. I'm still the French Laundry, and I remember getting a text like that we we got it. We, it's bought. It was they were asking. It was ridiculous amount. I mean, on the low end, we thought it was, you know, too good to be true. But we got it, and. um and then you realized how much work you had to put into it. No, no, no. We knew that. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I knew all this. But I didn't. Yeah. What I didn't know, what they don't teach you <laughs> in culinary school, is uh, uh, when you're building a restaurant, the PRMD is not in that education. Right. And that was ridiculous. I mean, that was just ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure everybody has their own stories. We have. I could go on, but um, at every point of progress, at every single uh, just what you want to do there is a pushback or a reason not to do it and we ended up just pushing them until they couldn't say no sonoma county seems you know to be kind of known for that unfortunately um as far as restaurants and a lot of businesses i think so for whatever reason yeah but i mean we were persistent and we were on them and you know our architect was great uh jerry tierney and Mm -hmm. um he knew his way around there and Kevin knew this way around there. And cool. without the, without them, I mean, if we brought in somebody else, not that we would, but they would, it, we'd be under construction still. It was just amazing. But we, we got it done in seven months. I mean, we tore the place apart. Yeah. yeah that, which sure is did. just not, I mean, to the studs, the middle, the back, we didn't get the outside built yet, but just, we got it functioning. And uh, the, the oven, man, I mean, and you have to understand, I'm still working at the French Laundry, and we have construction meetings in the restaurant. It doesn't have a floor anymore. And uh, I'm, you know, we have 7.30 and 8 o'clock meetings with the inspectors telling me that, no, you can't put an oven in here. And I'm like, but that's the whole concept. <laughs> right. And they're like, well, you can't. And then the next day I would say yes, and the next day I would say no, and I'm getting these texts like going to the dinner service, and I'm like running outside on my phone. And I'm like, they don't know that we bought the restaurant yet. They think I'm just like a line cook, right? They, they don't understand and uh, finally, we told the guy, hey, look, this oven, it's going in tomorrow. You'll have to literally stand here and stop us. That, that's what you're going to have to do. Wow. And they couldn't. They, we called their blood. I mean, there's like one guy for the whole county. At that yeah. point, they, they had no staff. They couldn't <laughs> right. enforce. And there was no reason. You know, we did, I mean, all the structural engineering and uh, took the whole wall out. And we, I mean, if that thing is so secure. There's so much foundation under there yeah. because of that. Right. And, um, but well, you know, we, we were patient place. we worked with them and for, yeah. For those of you who haven't been there, you'll know when you get to the Glen Ellen stars and you're driving through town and you see the fire burning in the window, it's, yeah. um, it's, it's pretty, pretty cool. Pretty well, cool. an interesting part of where the restaurant is too, it's, it's, you're literally down the hill from the Benziger property. Yep. So you come down the hill and, and turn right into the small little mm. town of Glen Ellen and, and there you are. So I'm sure that was nice to have a little proximity to the, yeah. to the family. That was, that was nice. And um, the farm, right? The f- and our farm, yeah. Yeah, and that all came a little later, but yeah. yeah. But anyway, so fast forward, we were persistent, we were challenged, but we opened. And opening day was a blur, but <laughs> leading up to that, we had a lot of uh, research and development dinners at Mike and Mary's. They built, uh, 
just you know, a small wood oven. That was the test kitchen. Had a beautiful view right yeah. above the winery. I mean, it was pretty incredible. Yeah. And uh, we had some press and some friends and people telling us what they liked and what they didn't like. So we, we had a lot of time to kind of work through some of the concepts and, you know, the vegetable concepts and the ice cream and, and all that, that fun stuff. And so um, I think I feel like we were as prepared as we were going to be when we opened. Right. Yeah. And what is uh, what is the uh, current um, f- vegetables on the menu for today? It's Brussels sprouts. I'm just trying to give people a today, little idea of the um, seasonal. We're in spring right now. You're yeah. Well, so Brussels sprouts is the anomaly, and I'll tell you why. Um, okay. Every item on that menu, except for the Brussels sprouts, is in proximity and season, and it has a story behind it, which right. is kind of cool. We grow some of them. We have a beautiful farm. We go to the Marin Farmer's Market. We shop in Sonoma, you know, Farmer's Market. And so everything is there for a reason. It's it's what this county has to offer. It's, it's kind of like uh, we take the same approach with wine. You know, you, you visit Sonoma, and you want to understand from, let's say you're from, you're not from Sonoma. You know, you come to Sonoma because it's, you want to see what the wine tastes like. What What is it, and especially if you're interested in wine, um, what's going on here what you want to try to identify and 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 understand it and we take the same approach with food um whether it's a cauliflower or pepper salad greens or whatever it is it's grown here and it's picked at the right time it's in season and it's a snapshot of what's wonderful about the uh you know the 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 agri the the produce and so brussels sprouts we've tried to take off the menu and it never happens every spring and summer and we just get like crushed by guests and it's like so we tried to find somebody in Southern California to grow it for us, and they do a pretty good job because we don't want to go farther than that. And um, but yeah, you know, we're that's like the one thing we have a wood roasted Brussels sprouts with brown sugar, bacon, marmalade. It's a uh, um, our easily our most popular until corn season, right? And then the corn, right? But um, yeah, but every we, that's the approach with the menu. It's We've evolved over time. We've always had that that concept uh, that farm the table. Um, I know that's used a lot, but this is truly just kind of captures what we grow, what we're interested in, you know, what looks good at the farmers market, and what people get generally generally excited about it. And we're in a an incredible area where, I mean, I have a guy who only grows potatoes. Like that's it. <laughs> David Little, <laughs> Sunchoke sometimes, but potatoes. Probably grows like 15 kinds, 20 kinds of potatoes. And he's like super passionate about it. I mean, he'll sell, even if you don't like potatoes, when you're there, he'll sell you whatever it is. <laughs> he's just like, he, had, he, I don't know if this is his creation, but he had a, a masquerade potato. It's a purple, yellow swirl. I mean, it's like the... Like well, he's, he's created just, this potato? I don't know if he's created it, but it's like, that's what he, and he's super excited about it. He's got all these, you know, these, these kind of little um, tidbits of information and then... Uh, you know, you go up to some potato hey, nerd. Yeah, yeah. but that's Spud potatoes. Nerd. And then I have a guy that does just kiwi. Like, who does that? Like, just kiwi and licorice sticks. That's what he does. <laughs> uh, so you have these farmers that specialize all day long on just that, and you put them together on your menu, and it's just like, I mean, you don't have to do much, right? You just you kind of stand back and and you know get them crispy, but and season them, but don't like you know just stay out of the way. Right, much. like like making wine, right? Yeah. Just, yeah. When you always, guys uh, approach is always best when just kind of left alone. Yeah, minimal intervention. And I think I read something about um, about the restaurant that uh, I mean, most dishes have maybe three, four ingredients. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. So you just try not to screw it up. You get a good product in, and 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 just try and present it well. And yeah, and that's know, and that that's kind of the evolution. I'm, I'm sure with winemaking too. 
But as a chef, when you're putting together ideas, I mean, 10 years ago, my food was 25, 30, 40 ingredients. Right. You know, how, let's do chestnut nine ways and see if anybody knows, you know, like just like what? <laughs> I'm trying to get home to see my kids and like, you know, there's, there's a balance there. So you, you kind of, now we, we've kind of shifted our focus and our investment in the product and the process, you know, from baking. Um, you know, we just started with central milling. They're a wonderful, you know, small production mill. They do all our flowers now, organic. And, um, you know, we went from traditional pizza dough to more like a three, four-day sourdough fermentation. You know, we, we got a little bit more more technical. We, yeah. we bake sourdough in the wood oven in the morning. Nice. We do pull apart and Parker House rolls for fun just to kind of, you know, change it up a little bit. Because um, there for the first couple of years you were open, there was no bread. No. Right. Well, we did a quick bread. A we did quick, a cast right. iron they, Argentina. Yeah, that was, yeah. there was a lot of inspiration from Argentina. Yeah. Francis Malman and the way he does things down there. We went down there and uh, I worked with his team and wow. they're just, those guys are just cowboys in a great way. <laughs> yeah. They just, I mean. Um, well, and the, for people who don't know, the, the farm that you're sourcing out of is on the Benziger property, which is a biodynamic property. So they've got a closed circle. They've got you know, not only, you know, animals up there and, and a little bit of everything. I remember, and I don't know if this is true for you, Bart, when I was working there, the, uh, they would let the employees plant the garden and we had a, it's a heavy Latino uh, community. And I remember at one point there must've been 17 different types of peppers <laughs> grown in that garden. It wasn't a lot of variety. Do you do you get a a little we, say in what's getting planted up there? Well, yeah. So we've since moved the garden to Mike and Mary's property. Okay. So with Mike actually redesigned the insectary. Um, it's actually a little bit more efficient because it's kind of like like draft two. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, learn learn. Right. Um, and now, so that's you know, there's sheep. We just got honeybees. Chickens are are close. They're on the way. Um, but right now we have. 11 varieties of lettuces that's really the only and tomatoes the tomatoes and lettuces are really the only um product that, that we kind of do different varieties of mainly we're going to focus on a padron pepper you know or and do it really well one type of eggplant right. or fairy tale eggplant they're little the little ones um you know basil parsley arugula lemon balm lemon verbena spearmint right pineapple mint just kind of play around so there's anisys up, if I said that already. Um, sorrel, a lot of lettuces this time of year. And then we do our zucchini, and we're planting our uh, Muscat de Provence pumpkin for the fall right now. Mm. We have, he's got, I don't know what he's thinking, but he put 100 tomato, 100 tomato plants in. That's and our I'm Mike. like, I'm like, what, <laughs> yeah. what do you just want to give yourself, like a total heart attack? Well, start picturing jarring and... and yeah, yeah, and that, that that's the goal, but none yeah. of that's figured out yet. Right. <laughs> I, I remember... To, I've seen this all before. <laughs> I, was say, I remember when John at Growing the Fig, when they had a state, they had so many tomato plants that one year they were sun-drying um, tomatoes on the roof of a state restaurant. Yeah, well, we were um, taking everything off the imagery property, so we were maintaining the garden right, at imagery. Right. And yeah, once you get to so many tomatoes, I mean, you what start you running out of stuff to do with them, and and then you just start pick, picking the you, you're yeah. picking the green ones and doing fried green tomatoes. Well, we do we do a lot of fried yeah. green tomato, and then yeah. we do uh, sungold. Sungold tomatoes are great. You know, they they're from gazpacho to emulsions, just keep them all gold. Um, but our panzanella, you know, we we. Ooh, our panzanella is basically the best of all of that uh, tomato panzanella, and now we bake our own bread. 
so it's pretty much you know we we make some some you know some farmers cheese some ricotta it's kind (laughs) of all done you know from uh, you know on on site so to speak right um and we'll run that through october because we'll we'll, we'll, i think we're pulling tomatoes out in like the next two weeks which is way early but if you if you're controlling the process it's not like you know, oh, you can't run tomatoes till after or after July fourth. Some some chefs are like very, you know. But if you're pulling incredible product out of your own garden now, right? It's in season. Yeah, like for I mean for me. Well, right. yeah, and let's face it, people are looking for especially to come to your place. They're looking for that first corn um, dish or the first tomato dish, and you know, knowing that it comes from something that you guys have grown or yeah. a farmer you've worked with, they can feel pretty comfortable in ordering it. You know, it's it's always a race with my the chefs in New York. It's like when I put asparagus on, and I'm at least a week ahead. You know, if there's like an emoji middle finger, I'll just like kick it over. <laughs> so we do the same thing with corn and tomato. It's kind of like who's gonna have morels and ramps on first? Who right. you know? And then all of a sudden, like late February, somebody comes up in like Nebraska. And you're like, where the fuck did you get that? <laughs> <laughs> Well, whatever you guys are doing with the food there, you know, the Saffron, when it was there, was was not a very busy restaurant. I'm sure that's one of the reasons that that you were able to um, to take it over. But you guys always have it seems to me whenever I'm driving by, you got a you got people in the restaurant, you got people waiting around outside, um, sometimes even in the rain. Um, Yeah. um, Yeah, no, we do. I think there's there's a there's a good authenticity there. There always has been. There's we we don't have a real uniform. we kind of have our servers they they're they're in their own clothes i think they're comfortable that way they can be themselves yeah. and they really connect with people there and we do too in the kitchen so it's it's an ongoing conversation i mean we've met so many incredible people and it's such a great community yeah um but they're really there to have it's more just it's more of it's a good ex, you know once you kind of we get to know each other so to speak it's a great relationship and it's it's a, it's a it's a good time yeah, you've captured the the local audience, and I'm sure you get a lot of uh, visitors to the county that come for dinner. Yeah, so sure. yeah. I think it's becoming one of those places when you come into town, people say, well, where should we eat? And the Glen Ellen Star is definitely one of those that everybody's recommending. It's just a matter of if they can get in there or not. Um, I always recommend that if you go, you can sit at the counter and um, watch the chefs all working. It's pretty insightful to uh, see how they, all their techniques and a lot of fun. And uh, I hear maybe plans for another restaurant? What? Uh, you know what? Not necessarily. <laughs> we, um, yes and no. I mean, Who I started think that rumor. Maybe I did. Okay. <laughs> I think <laughs> in either Sonoma or Napa, maybe? You know, so it's tough. You want to give French Laundry a run going, for their money? We're going, the, the, my one reserve, we're going through a little bit of, of a staffing crisis, I think, as a as a. Count, You're as not, a, not the only one. I know that. No, I'm saying we. Um, we, yeah. In Sonoma, and I'm yeah. sure, I, I know, you know, colleagues in New York and Chicago, and it's all the same right now. I think yeah. the Washington Post, New York Times, when you read it in that paper, you know there's a problem. Yeah. But I'd say especially for, for our industry, for the hospitality industry. Um, and... I feel like that's kind of why we started catering um, because I knew I saw two, two, three years down the road that, you know, we'd I'd like to have a little bit of a life, you know, we want to come out of the restaurant. I think the first year and a half that that wasn't the case. You can ask Aaron. Um, yeah, no, you, I mean, you were always there. head down in there seven days a week. We had to close for days off. Like I closed 4th of July. I remember our first year it was, it was on a Thursday or Friday. Somebody was like, are you crazy? Right. 
I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm literally going to fall down. Like, I can't, I can't do it. Yeah. I, I want to see, like, you know, I feel like I'm missing my entire, you know, daughters. <laughs> At that time, we had one. Right. Um, you know, the whole thing. I'm just kind of missing everything, and I want to figure out how we can do this balanced lifestyle and with a small, tiny restaurant. And how do you do it? Um, you, you need, need to find opportunity staff. outside. Of, yeah, you need an awesome staff, but you need to pay for that staff. Yeah. And uh, competitively, to get somebody to drive from Windsor and make it worth their while to work a night. You know, you right. take all those things into consideration. But catering came natural to us because we always had the demand for it. We just didn't start saying yes until we had our first request on our second day. They're like, hey, this is great. You know, we're getting married. Can you cater a wedding? I'm like, I, I don't even know which way is up. I don't even know how to make money. I don't know. Like, no. I guess the answer is no. And we said no for at least <laughs> a year. And finally, we just started saying yes. We took our first event and um, completely different <laughs> when it's on. I've catered a lot, but when it's yours, you know, we get, I remember like the second day I have it all planned out. I'm like, wait, how are we getting the stuff there? Because we don't have a truck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you'd think you'd ask that question. We didn't have three kids yet. So we had a Prius. That's what we had. We shared a Prius. And um, yeah, it's not going to work in that. Yeah. <laughs> U-Haul budget, you know, it's like, God, how do we miss that? Right. Like, You're just trying to figure that out. And uh, finally, now we have a truck. Now we have a lot of trucks actually, but um that that was a lot. That catering, it sounds like a good idea until you go through it your first time and you get put through a ringer and you don't have your checklist and the guest is asking for ice and you're like, well, you didn't ask for ice? Right. <laughs> like, unacceptably. Right. <laughs> so it's kind of, you, you learn, right? And then finally it was getting too much. We were getting two, 300 person event requests that we can't do. And I found a partner in Bruce, my, uh, my catering partner now, Bruce Reisman from uh, Park Avenue Catering. Mm. And he's a very fine, dine, you know, and he's a very full service caterer. You know, he does weddings all the time. He does three, four hundred events a year, and um, and and completely professional. I mean, they were always great events. They used to yeah. do a lot of Benziger events. Yeah, um, I met him. He did our wedding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. great, great um, caterer, great logistics guy. I mean, this guy's got it down. He's got the packout team, the sales team, load out on site. You know, check in rounds. It's pretty cool, and. Um, I just kind of sat back for the first year and, and you know, kind of got to know the business that way. And um, now we'll do about 60 events this year together, I think. Um, maybe about 10 to 15 through the restaurant. Restaurant, Glen on Start does catering that's uh, under 40 or 50 guests and a lot more casual in the style of a restaurant. We try to not do, you know, past, or we try to recreate the restaurant experience. So right. we'll do our bread and the salad that's on the menu and whatever, you know, vegetables that we've, feel are, are you know showing the best and then you kind of choose off of our menu we have a a little bit of a catering menu but we try to stick to what we do stellar catering is our catering business and that's more of a casual br uh, brand than park avenue and that's the direction of the catering business it's more casual it's you know t-shirts it's family style or buffet it's more entertainment Rustic. less about like you know just the food but more about the whole experience so we've been able to fit into these kind of dynamics and and um whether it's fundraisers or weddings or corporate events or really anything yeah and, uh, catering is huge in sonoma napa counties these days so and um, and running the when you're doing events you doing a lot of the prep work at the restaurant or do you have an off-site uh, uh kitchen we we have an off-site commissary in in mm -hmm. katati okay that i share that it's really it's bruce's kitchen but mm -hmm. um his team, so I, I work with his production team, his kitchen team, and then I'm on site for most of the events. 
Okay. Uh, and sometimes we do multiple events in a day and across the county, so I can't be at every event, but you know, the ones that need the most attention right. are, you know, we, we, that's what we try to do. Right. Yeah. And are you, now are you there every day at the restaurant? No. Because now you have, you had uh, two more kids, twins, right? Yeah, we have three kids. Now. Yeah, three kids. And uh, so you somehow find a, a little balance in your life? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, we try. We, we do it in spurts. You know, we came off of seven weeks of pretty intense catering just now. Mm-hmm. Um, we This is the second weekend that we don't have any events. Let's see. After this weekend, we're pretty much booked through October. Every every weekend. Wow. So this is uh, there's one that we're taking a week off from my birthday in July. You know we we carve that out. We've already turned down events. But it's 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 re- it's pretty amazing the you know the the demand. Um, but we carve out. You know we're booking trips in spring and summer next year. So we make sure that we can put some family time in together. Because right. if me, I mean, I'll just say yes to anything. You know, I'm, I, I like to explore. Right. <laughs> And then Aaron's like, no, let's let's you know pump the brakes a little bit because uh, you know your kids are growing up. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, this week you know we're gonna take a quick trip to Yosemite next week. Um, we're doing going to a Taylor Swift concert this weekend for oh, Noah. There you go. I've never been to one. Yeah. I hear she's good. Yeah. Uh, is this at uh, Levi's Stadium in San Jose? Yeah. Yeah. We got for Christmas and Hanukkah for Noah. We got uh, her tickets. That was my daughter's uh, first concert. We saw Taylor is that right? Swift. Yeah. yeah. You bet. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of excited. It it was it was fun, and and we kind of tailgated. Uh, yeah, you know they make you park on the golf course there at Levi Stadium. They don't have enough parking for uh, for everyone. We're gonna Uber. We're staying at a hotel there. Good so call. Yeah. Good yeah. call. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you can so we do. Yeah. But I mean, I probably haven't seen my kids much in the last you know two months. Yeah. To be honest, it's I mean we see in, in the morning, but I'm so you know out of it. And they're so hyper and ready to go. And I'm right. just like, shut <laughs> up. Right. <laughs> you crazy. It's six o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Well, that's not going to change for another for school. 13, and Aaron years. and I are like totally unconscious in the bed. And they're just like jumping around. Like, go walk the dog. And then, you know, and I was like, okay. And then she walks the dog. And I'm like, wait, she doesn't know how to walk the dog. Things going to be like, I got to run out and I'll fix this. But yeah, no, the balance is important. And we, we like to try to cycle in and out of, I mean, we all, we, we know when it's time to work and, you know, when it's time to play. So I think we're getting better at that. We're, we're adjusting. And, you know, with, with the affiliation with the Benziger family, was there any, I, I think I worked at uh, Carneros Inn at uh, farm for a while. And because it was owned by Plump Jack, there was something about them not being able to serve their own wines. Was that ever an issue when you opened up the restaurant? No, because Mike's not an owner. Okay. But you, you, you're right. It's uh, what's it, trade win? Tide trade, tie loss. Um, He's not an owner in the restaurant. Mm-hmm. So we have two LLCs. We have a real estate company and a restaurant. Okay. So we tie together, you know, Mike's, he's a partner in the real estate, but not in the restaurant. Okay. And since Aaron's name isn't on that liquor license, then we can serve. That's not an issue. Yeah. And who does, who does your wine list? Because you have a cool little funky little wine list that has some, some local stuff, but then some unique imports yeah. as well. So my, our general manager, Christopher Dalton, um, he kind of took the program over from Lindsay. Do you remember Lindsay? Yep. Yeah. So Lindsay built up, Lindsay Huntsman was our, uh, our previous general manager and she had this incredible, um, kind of sense for, she, she put together a very, um, creative wine list mm-hmm. and Chris is more of a kind of, you know, more of like a corporate structure guy. So he kind of blended what she was doing and 
kind of brought it back a little bit to to kind of redefine what what we're doing. Um, Not so quite so out there. Well, yeah, but I think out there can be good too. But yeah. it, it also you need to have some kind of a a little bit more of a, I think of a rhythm or a formula to it where we are, and we try to do our best to go around to who's local and make sure that we kind of um, you know reach out every season, spring and summer, and you know who's doing what, what's exciting. You know we've and and. I think we do a pretty good job there, but we also bring in some varietals, you know, like Malbecs and I, I, a lot of South American varietals uh, go with our food. So right. we like to play around there. You know, we also, we have a couple um, Australian wines go, go, go very well. And um, it's funny. I, I never, I never put two and two together. The Argentinian um, kind of influences on your um, menu. Yeah. Um, and I, but I always kind of picked up on the Mediterranean, you yeah. know, but I never knew where the Lebanese, you know, where that came from too. It's interesting to hear about the Lebanese background from that. So, um, so yeah, thanks. we take our Zaton tahini very seriously. Yes. Yeah. And it's yeah. very good. It's very good. <laughs> Todd, you just recently ate at the Glen Allen star for the first time, right? I did. Better than pulling apart those freshly baked rolls and cleaning out the bottom of that Brussels sprout dish. Right? That's right. I mean, that was kind of a good combo. combo. <laughs> yeah. We went with our good friends, and the first thing they said was make sure to get the end of that. And so it was a nice present at the end of the first Nice. Dish there. That's, that's, that's good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, Ari, I think we're going to wrap it up. Um, we've got our uh, uh, Todd is here. He's going to um, come on for our next show. And wish you all the best the 2015 uh, People's Chef of the Year. And oh, yeah. uh, I'm sure, <laughs> sure that won't be the, the only time you get that uh, recognition. I know um, I'm, it's one of those places you can always recommend people when they come see Kyle and I at the Sonoma Mission Inn. Where else should we go for dinner? And uh, sure. Glen Allen Star is definitely one of those well, thank uh, you. Yeah. recommendations. I, yeah. I appreciate that. I was just gonna oh, say, you, I appreciate you, you that. Can, I, was, can, I was being thankful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Try not to talk over people. Um, Ari, thank you for coming. Um, um, uh, everybody, you can find them at Glen Ellen Star on all social media platforms. We'll post some links um, on the uh, podcast. And, uh, and reservations accepted, walk in. Yeah. Um, let's see. Re- reservations probably especially after Memorial Day are mm-hmm. really recommended mm-hmm. but weekday you know walk in we open at 530 neighborhood night Wednesday nights are, are a pretty popular night we can bring your wine wave corkage we do a very interesting two course menu it's, it's, it's a lot of fun and we post it uh, on our website or you can sign up at com. just one email a week we won't harass you we'll okay. tell you what's what so yeah so Wednesday neighborhood nights if, if you're local are uh, a lot of fun lots of the good good uh, energy and do you have to have? Do you have to bring your ID to show that you're actually a local to get no. that corkage? Wave? We just call it that. No, no, yeah. Anybody? Okay. No, we've had uh, you know tourists come in and find out that they don't you know need to pay for wine, and they run right. to the market and bring like a case of wine back. And you're, like, you're only four people. What do you do? Like, yeah. What percentage is it um, you think to actually bring their own wine into the restaurant? What percentage? What you, yeah. th- throughout the week? Just just in general in the restaurant, uh, be, because you're living in the, in wine country. Yeah. That you know, people have they belong to wine clubs and they have cellars and they like to br- they, and and it's a compliment as a chef, I would think. You know, when people want to bring in some of their favorite wines to have with your food, but at the same time, you're running a business, yeah, and you want to get that sale. Yeah, I think I'd percentage. I'd say about thirty, thirty-five percent. Um, wow, mm-hmm. um, here 
and that's that that's a lot i know you know go to places like aspen that charge a hundred dollars for corkers and they basically don't want you know new york same thing yeah uh, french laundry is 150 150 but yeah. i think and but they you know they 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 rely on their wine pro i mean that is right. essential to their business model it's essential to any restaurant business model but you also have to know where you are you know so you if if somebody brings a winemaker brings in a wine that's you know they're excited about um and they want to share it with us we that's great we think that's great if somebody brings in a wine that's on our list <laughs> that's like half drank and they just want to bring it in right. <clears throat> you I talk to any restaurant owner or anybody it's just kind of like me bringing in wine to a tasting room yeah. and saying hey can i borrow your glasses and i got this awesome wine and you're like but you're it's just kind of a little bit of a of a disconnect but you know we've always worked with corkage uh we've always donated a part of it or have um waived corkage on on wednesday nights because it is it's it's an important part of, of where we are and what we do uh, and we all we want to give people you know the, the opportunity to, to bring in their wines and enjoy it with our food yeah and is your wife still working for the family or is she full-time mom she's uh no she works for the restaurant um wow so you you stole her yeah yeah okay. I, I yeah i poached her yeah <laughs> good move she's good no she uh she does a lot of she covers she works in the restaurant two days a week um okay. and then uh, so she's got a good connection there and then she and i work on our catering business uh our glenn on star catering business together which is great because we get to work off site and and uh you know go spend some some work work time together some quality right. time yeah together. right and what are the um, uh, web addresses for the restaurant and the catering businesses? Uh, you can access catering through glenelmstar.com or it's okay. stellarcaters.com. All right. So brides so. out there, if you are uh, looking to come to Sonoma and get married, we got a chef for you. <laughs> well, <a laughs> Just let him have his one week off you. in... Uh, Just one week. <laughs> right. <laughs> not That one week in July is not available. Yeah. July, July that, 9th, that week. That's my right, birthday week. Right. All right, thank you so much for uh, hey, coming for on the show. Me. We really appreciate Absolutely. it. And uh, and we will look forward to seeing you next week. This is uh, Brian Casey. We've had uh, Kyle has been with us today, Kyle Reynolds, um, uh, Ari Weisswasser, Bart Hansen. And all right, take it easy. <laughs>